It's Monday, July 1st, and I'm feeling like getting started on World Anvil Summer Camp 2019. This is Cockatrice Nuggets with Rich Frazier, serving you up a heaping helping of RPG nuggets straight to your gaming table. Alright, so I played Midgard on uh, Friday. Pretty good stuff. Um, I gotta figure my shit out though, because uh, I'm showing up late and uh, arriving tired, so I gotta go to bed earlier the next night and uh, figure out how to get my shit done faster after work. At any rate, we had a good night. Um, it started out with, uh, well, it, it was the heist. That's all it was. Uh, there was nothing else. Um, there was a heist planned and they got it done. So um, there wasn't a lot of planning, unfortunately. Um, I, one side of the table wasn't communicating with the other side of the table. Um, the first thing that happened was they started they started making plans and they decided that they were going to um, uh, follow a guard home, one of the guards home, to figure out where they were staying, right? So they could impersonate them. One of the players is a trickster cleric and uh, she can um, cast this guy's self, right? So this is, uh, this is something that uh, is super easy for her to do. Um, she also is proficient in a disguise kit. This is kind of her thing. So, yeah. This is what she did. Um, at any rate, so as I'm having a conversation with the rest of the table, two of them collude to go and, um, well, eventually kidnap this guard on the first night of their, like, heist planning, right? So um, they get a little carried away. And uh, I, I ask them, like, three times, is this what you want to do? You want to kidnap this person, right? Or you want to knock this person out, right? So you're going into their house and you're going to knock them out, right? <clears throat> and uh, I don't know exactly what they were thinking I was getting at, asking so many questions about the same thing. But I think I think they were trying... Uh, they ended up using silence and kicking down the door. Um, and I think that maybe is what they thought I was going for. At any rate, um, I... Uh, uh, I, I let them do their thing. They chained up this person and threw her in a closet um, and set up to, you know, get ready to impersonate this person. So I go back to the other side of the table and uh, continue on with what they're doing. And uh, eventually they catch on. Wait a minute. They did this on the first night? How's that going to work? We're not getting... Uh, and I say, well, yeah, now you have a timetable, <laughs> a shorter timetable. You got to get this shit done now because you got a missing guard. How long is it going to be before they discover the missing guard's gone? Right. And the person who says this guy says, I can have this guy itself. I'm like, well, but how long is that going to work for certain? Right. Um, and it ended up working out very well because, you know, she's good at what she does. But I'm the DM. So I've got to throw these uh, these little, um, uh, I don't know, little arrows into their plans and say, hey, what if it doesn't work out? So I got to get them thinking. Right. That's how I feel. Um so uh, they end up um, using a familiar to dig through the roof um, very slowly, very quietly, right? Um, basically, uh, the, the warlock um, wargs into a, uh, a badger, I think it ended up being. They, uh, they just looked up a familiar with the digging speed, and uh, we went for it. Um, I told them digging quietly would take them the whole day to get through the roof, and then they'd be, you know, in the, in the room with the ceiling. So first day passes, second day comes. Um, the impersonation goes over really well, actually. 
with uh, a little bit of role playing and a lot of good dice roll, you know, she pulled it off. Um, it, uh, it worked out in their benefit because they found out a lot of information. Uh, and this is where I sprung, hey, the guard shows up. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, well, you just chained her in a closet, right? You said you left her food and, not, and didn't say anything about her being gagged, you know? You even mentioned that she would go and eat the food. So how is she going to do that being gagged? And they're like, oh, man. And uh, I have alternate inspiration rules, um, which I have linked in my show notes. You can, uh, they're in my uh, Midgard house rules. It's not the first thing in there. It's pretty far down, uh, but there's links in the, well, whatever. You guys can figure it out. You're a smart lot. Um, anyways, so we get, uh, we get to this point and they say, okay, can we spend inspiration to have, to have done this differently? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course you can. So they choose to uh, actually kidnap the guard, bring them back to their, not to their home base, right, which is their stronghold, but to their secret base, which is the one they kind of started out with. Uh, they, the one they, um, it was in the adventure to give it up, right, to say, hey, you know, this dude is here, this is where you guys need to go. And uh, they were like, no, we're just going to, you know, pretend like we didn't find anything. <laughs> So, um, it went over kind of weird. Anyway, I don't remember exactly how that ended, but they were just like, meh, <laughs> and they took it over. Um, anyway, so, secret base interrogation. The way I run interrogation, because I do not want to run an interrogation scene that ends up in torture, I don't want to talk about, you know, okay, they're going to be cutting, you know, we're going to cut your left finger off, we're going to cut your right finger off, and I'm at the point where I'm not giving any information information and we're role-playing it and now they're just mutilating this person so the way i like to do uh, a torture scene right or an interrogation scene is i roll my insight and you roll a charisma roll right i don't care if it's persuasion intimidation or deception however you're working it so this opposed roll gets us a net of successes so um i rolled a 19 they rolled a 26 um so they, uh, the difference between that is five. So they got five questions, right? No, the difference between that is seven. So they rolled a 25 and they got six questions. Um, so they went through the questions. They, um, they found out that there was something else going on with these guards, right? And they assumed that they were going, they were going after the same thing, right? It was a really great moment where, um, Accidentally, the players thought something else was going on. And this was one of those moments if I didn't have something else going on in my head already, then I would have jumped on this, right? They, they thought that the guards were planning to heist the same thing. Um, which, uh, I don't know if I explained this last time, was a giant diamond. It was the size of, um, like, I don't know, a medicine ball, right? Uh, just big enough that you can't slip it into a bag of holding. And also... I didn't really plan for them to go through the roof. That was ingenious, right? And, you know, if I've got eight, eight people around the table, they're, they're going to come up with shit that I don't come up with. So um, I, I really applauded that. I really liked that idea that I figured they were going to storm the whole base and try to get through there with sleep spells, but they ended up just going in through the top. You know, next time, got to remember, put the MacGuffin in the middle, right? <laughs> Not on one end. All right. At any rate, um, so they, they ask about this heist. They, they ask about where she's getting money coming from. 
they find out that it's kind of like um, they they work they work independently, right? It's a group of four guards, and they each take a section of this 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 plan that they have. You know, she had a contact. They send a runner um, with the money. The goods get delivered, right? They pick up the delivery and they hand it off to the buyer. So um, one of the players was like, "They're middle management." Yeah, they wouldn't be guards if they weren't middle management, right? That's that's how this thing works, right? Their guards, they're scraping by, so they're trying to get their shit any way they can. And they wouldn't be able to mastermind this stuff if they were, if they were just guards, right? Because that's that's not how life works, right? When you're when you're down in the dumps, that you take all the jobs that you can get. Um, anyways, they, they they worked it very well, and um, it was. Uh, it was a, um, a good interrogation scene. It, it got them information that they didn't need but were curious about, which is awesome. I love it when my, um, when my world comes through is curiosity, right? Um, any questions the characters ask that don't pertain to the adventure, I love it, right? So that's, that's my world building getting exposed because I try not to do that information dump. If I do that information dump, then um, I feel like... Um, most people's eyes glaze over, right? They start looking at their phones. They're like, okay, when's this guy going to start stop talking? When do I get to start talking? Um, and, and not that my players are all that egotistical, but that is um, kind of the general consensus I get when doing info dumps. Anyways, so they go in through the top. Once they breach the top, they find there's a cage there, right? Um, the cage is a trap. The cage turns ethereal, falls into the room, and... Um, seals off the area around the diamond. They had tied the cage up, uh, assuming that it would just fall somehow. Uh, when they got there, they investigated how it would fall. And it, it, like, it made someone so curious that they spent 10 minutes, um, including, uh, they spent 40 minutes in the attic, basically, checking this out. Not the attic, the, the crawl space. Checking this thing out. Um, every 10 minutes, I had them roll an acrobatics check to not fall through the ceiling. So they spent an extra 10 minutes, right, uh, included in the previously stated 40 minutes, and an acrobatics check to not fall through the ceiling, which I believe they had to use inspiration on to re-roll that die and um, get uh, something out of it, uh, or get a positive result out of it. So they found out that this thing is ethereal, so tying it up is not going to work. They decide that they're going to push it over to where the upstairs guards are. And this was fucking brilliant. Again. Something that I could not have come up with on my own. But they came up with, you know, really quick. Um, So the heist goes down. They cast silence just at the right time. They make the cage fall. The cage falls on the uh, guards. The guards are screaming, trying to get someone up. Um, There was also an alarm spell on the pedestal that they didn't know about. So uh, they were on a time crunch and didn't know about it. Someone was coming up the stairs, undoing all the locks, getting up there. And they figured, found that out at the very last minute as they're getting away. So they get this giant gem out. And I've described this giant diamond as, you know, you can see into it and uh, it's, it's enthralling because there's this giant swirl of blackness inside, you know. Um, so every time I describe it, they, I, I say you're captivated for a moment, right? So they are insanely curious of what this thing is. So someone casts Identify on it. Um, I am using Sanity in my game. 
Um, and a basic sanity roll is you roll under, or a basic sanity saving throw is you roll under your sanity. So this character made the sanity saving throw, found out that it was made to kill, capture a soul. Okay. They don't know what soul's in there, um, but they're going to find out. So most of them take this um, diamond to uh, the contact that they are working for. Um, again, this contact named Vo is um, uh, the leader of a cell of Red Cloaks, which is the gang that is um, charging them protection money at their stronghold, um, or they're screwing with them every session, just to, or every month, um, trying to cause enough damage that equals the protection money. That any cost, because they 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 don't care. They <laughs> they have plenty of money. Um, anyway. So, uh, they take this, um, so, so they're trying to infiltrate the gang and, uh, destroy it from the inside is their idea. Um, I don't know how well it's going to work, but, uh, it makes for an exciting campaign. Definitely. So, um, they take the gem to Vo. Um, Vo, uh, is, uh, kind of the, the, the overseer of the, the underground market, uh, the, the cartways black market it's called, um, and uh, he, like, closes his tent up that is in, in the center of the floor. And uh, he pulls back the carp- uh, the rug that's on the floor. And there's a pentagram, a small pentagram. And he puts the gem inside of there. And he pulls a hammer, a golden hammer, out of the bag of holding. And he smashes it. When he smashes it, like, a demonic face kind of comes up. I specifically said demonic. Um, I don't know if the characters caught that. And uh, then a hand comes up from the star, uh, grabs the face, and pulls it back down into the ground and everything disappears. So they have a small conversation with Vo. Um, little do they know that he was doing this for somebody else. So none of, none of this is really his forte, right? He was just told to take this hammer, smash the gem when you get it. And, uh, we're even right. Because that's kind of how this gang works, right? They work on favors. They work on, um, you know, the, the, the lower members of the gang are going to help the higher members of the gang so they can eventually be the higher members of the gang. That's just the way it works. Um, so I'm using uh, Renown also from the Dungeon Master's Guide and um, more so from Guild Master's Guide to Ravnica. Um, I don't. I need to go back and look at Renown in the Dungeon Master's Guide or Honor. I don't remember what they called it. Um, but basically it's... Uh, well, no, I think Honor was another stat. Uh, Renown is basically um, how you're doing with this group, right? So in Guildmaster's Guide, it breaks it down from 1 to 50. Um, 3 is rank 1, like 10 is rank 2, 25 is rank 3, and 50 is rank 4. Um, and these ranks uh, gain you, get you certain benefits in the, uh, in the guild. Basically, I've taken all those guilds, um, stripped off all the flavor, and um, attached them to guilds in my game. Um, and not necessarily guilds, but mostly um, they are factions, right? These are my faction ranks. Uh, also, um, Acquisitions Incorporated came out recently. I've been reading that. Um, I don't know if I recommend it yet. I really don't know if I recommend it yet. I don't know if there's enough stuff in here for someone to strip out. Um, I bought it on D&D Beyond. I paid $30 for it. Actually, I paid $25, I think. I, have a, I used a discount code. Um, so I feel it was worth it for me. Um, again, I'm not all the way through it. Uh, I need to take a look at the monsters and I need to find out, um, a little more what they're doing with this faction stuff, but I'm already ready to use some of this faction stuff in my game. So I'm pretty excited about that. And it kind of, um, it, it kind of mirrors the stuff 
in Guildmaster's Guide, but with a different, more more powerful spin on it. It's it's a very Acquisitions Incorporated plays a very high magic, high power game. Um, anyway, so right, so they're they're in the guild or they're they're in the group. Um, they um, have uh, one renown right now. They need two more for a total of three to be rank one with this guild, and then they will be considered part of the gang, right? They will be uh, rank one crew. <laughs> um, and uh, I need to come up with another job for them, which uh, was one of the things I was hoping I could find in Acquisitions Incorporated. I need to go back through um, Dragon Heist because I know there were uh, three factions in there, uh, or maybe four factions in there, that had um, jobs, right? They had jobs for them to do. So I'm going to take a look at that and uh, see what I can get. And uh, yeah, pretty excited about this. And uh, we're moving on. All right. All right. Pretty excited. Uh, finished my first job uh, doing uh, my drive around work. And I have the essentials kit sitting here. And uh, it looks like I've already banged up the box a little bit. Uh, I'm just assuming that was me because I bought it at Target. Conveniently, I work at Target, so I got it a little cheaper. Um, I do kind of agree with people about this whole um, it being sold at Target and um, <clears throat> and uh, not at uh, local game stores first. Um, I am kind of shameful uh, for my Target, not having it displayed. Um, I don't really work in the retail area of Target, though, or have anything to do with that. So I just kind of kept my mouth shut about it. But I did ask for it, made someone go in the back and get it for me. And I am excited to be opening it right now. Um, I do think that um, Target is a good place for this, um, just to get new people into the game. Um, I live kind of in a small town, so I don't know how many people this is actually going to affect. Um, they do have the regular starter set on uh, display, so um, I'm hoping that uh, <clears throat> it is on the top shelf, though, so I think maybe it should be placed a little lower. And uh, I don't know. I like this cover better than the starter set. All right. So first thing, red dice. These are the kind of typical D&D dice that you uh, see everywhere, right? Um, they've got the, the, the bigger font numbers, the more standard font numbers um, that I've seen with the, with the Wizards dice as compared to um, Chessex or whatever other kind that I've been buying. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I do like the look of them. Um, I am looking for more red dice, so it is nice. Uh, the 6 is weird. It's got a little dot by it on the 10-sider. Um, yeah, it looks like on the uh, 20-sider, on all the rest of the dice as well. It's weird. It's got a little dot instead of an underline. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that before. All right, next up, the Adventure. <clears throat> and it is a softbound cover. Um, looks really nice. It's got a map key on the back cover, which I like. Uh, the inside covers are blank, unfortunately. Uh, it is printed on that glossy um, 5E paper that, uh, I don't know, it's all right. Um, Looks like, uh, flipping through the back here, it looks like all the creatures are kind of standard creatures. Um, I do have, um, an anchorite of Talos. What? I miss this guy's podcast. Uh, if anybody knows where this, uh, this anchorite is, uh, podcasting from, can you please let me know? Um, let's see here. Needle vine blight, twig blight, ogre, ochre, manticore, manticore, holy crap. Um... Gorthok the Thunderbore. That's pretty cool. 
Um, I don't think I've seen that art for the Harpy before. Um, let's see here. Got some NPCs, uh, centaurs, um, large, conveniently. Uh, wizards, grow some balls, give us some large player characters. Um, Banshee, that's uh, one of my favorite art in uh, the Monster Manual, I think. Reproduced here. Um, yeah, a Gathias tree. Oh, hey. Look at that. Um, some nice maps in here done by, um, I don't know who. Looks like maybe Bledsoe. Um, although he is not the, the typical um, 5E map maker. Um, that is, uh, oh, God, I can't remember his name right now. There are a lot of little tiny maps in here. Um, just about every other page is a map. And <clears throat> this is actually set up really good. Um, this is that uh, fabled control panel layout. So um, I've got my map on uh, the top right page and uh, the heading on the top left page. And I've got an overview, uh, how to get there, what it looks like when you arrive. Uh, overview, how to get there, what it looks like when you arrive. Yeah, this is um, set up pretty good. Um, here's a bigger one. Uh, this is two pages, so the map does not continue on to the next page. Uh, so you'll have to flip a little back forth there. Um, hey, there's a dragon in here, and there's a random table for where it is. Pretty cool. Um, locations and encounters. There's a map of Phandalin, which I heard is in here somewhere as well. Um, yeah, the art's all right. It's kind of stereotypical for 5e. Uh, like I said, I do not like the, um, the, pa the pages very much. Um, I don't see a credits. That's very odd. There is no title page. The title page is the page of table of contents. Um, <clears throat> anyway, moving on. Here is the, uh, the foldable box, which, uh, will be folded soon, probably. And all these different cards come next. <clears throat> I've got initi initiative cards, which I don't really like. I think they're kind of dumb. Um, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I, everybody's got their own initiative system that they use. Um, I have a whiteboard, so I use that. Um, I actually make the players keep track of initiative. So I think that uh, works good for me. Um, if I'm not, if I don't have a whiteboard and I'm not having the players keep track of it, um, I have a um, dryer erase sheet that has um, the numbers like, I think it's 30 to zero um, listed in order with two lines per number that I can write names in. So uh, that's the way I kind of do initiative on my own. Otherwise I have the players take care of it and that's fine. Um, let's see, we have all the, um, uh, what is it? Uh, deafened, charmed, blinded, incapacitated. What are these things called? Conditions <clears throat> on here. Um, we also have uh, charm. Interesting. Oh, a couple combat cards. Combat step-by-step. -step. Um, yeah, determine surprise, establish positions, roll initiative, take turns, begin the next round. All right, that's pretty cool. Um, charm of the storm. You became charged with the power of the storm. Oh, it's not... Uh, it's a magic charm. So a charm of the storm. Uh, you can cast lightning bolt as an action. Once used three times, the charm vanishes. Hmm. Interesting. And then we have the uh, player cards or the um, NPC cards. 
Um, I really like these. They look good. Everybody is vastly different. Um, we have um, still white people mostly represented here, but uh, there are some non-whites and not straight kind of uh, American white either. So um, that's good to see. Uh, yeah, let's see here. Quick stats on the back. It's a, a, a couple sentence description. And then um, looks like a personality, ideal, bond, and flaw, which is kind of the standard 5E role-playing traits. <clears throat> and then we've got one, two, three, four sheets of magic items. Which, uh, again, is kind of cool. Um, I like this idea that you can just pass out the magic items to the players. Um, nothing too exciting here. I doubt that there's anything new in here. Um, Loot of Illusions. I believe I've seen that before. Uh, do, 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 do. A bunch of potions of healing. That's really cool. Uh, boo, boo, boo. Potion of Superior Healing. That's pretty cool. Uh, Staff of Bird Calls. I don't know if I've read that. Um, very cool. Uh, so yeah, there are um, nine cards to a page, so that is uh, whatever nine times four is, uh, 36. 36 magic items. <clears throat> and then there is a, a set of nine quest cards. Um, let's read one of these here. Umbridge Hill Quest. The local midwife, an acolyte of Shantae, Shantia, named uh, Adabra Gwyn, lives by herself in a stone windmill on the side of a hill a few miles south of Phandalin. With dragon sightings becoming common, it's not safe for her to be alone. Urge Adabra to return to Phandalin. When she's safe, visit Townmaster Harbin Webster to claim a reward of 25 gold pieces. Very cool. Um, and here is the map. This is a nice little chunk of the Sword Coast with the area around <clears throat> Neverwinter Wood in the center and uh, Phandalin at the uh, bottom third. Uh, Ice Spire Peak in there. Uh, namesake Neverwinter's on the map. Very interesting. And then turn it over and we've got a map of Phandalin. Um, this has no lines on it. Uh, the one on the back has a hex map. It's very cool. Very cool. This uh, would have been really nice when I was running uh, Lost Mines. Here's the Essentials Rulebook. Um, this is from what I understand. Uh, oh, here's Sidekicks in the back. It's got uh, two pages of information on it. Um, three stat blocks, one for each. It looks like Spellcaster, Warrior, and Expert. It uh, sounds good enough, right? Um, Guidance, Sacred Flame, and Cure Wounds. Or Firebolt, Light, and Sleep for the Spellcaster. <clears throat> Warrior gets uh, plus two to attack rolls and uh, protection reaction. Um, oh, or. One, one or the other. Um, expert, help for, help, helpful. The expert can take a help action. And the expert has Thieves Tools and a musical instrument. Very cool. Um, a bunch of spells in here. Um, it looks like, oh my god, like seven, so like 14 pages of spells. Um, quick overview on spells. Uh, here are all the magic items, which is nice that they got kept out of the, um, adventure book. Um, I can see why they left the monsters in there, although it would have been nice to have the monsters on a separate 
side. Uh, let's see here, just kind of, yeah. <clears throat> and let's see, we have uh, the standard races probably. We have Dwarf Elf, Halfling, and Human. Uh, there is, um, it looks like all the classes are represented in here. Bard with two colleges. Cleric with uh, do, 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 do. two domains. Fighter. with do, do two archetypes rogue with also probably two archetypes <clears throat> wizard and how many schools do they give here uh two yeah uh pretty cool and then uh a section selection of backgrounds um one two three four five different backgrounds so um one for everybody and maybe a leftover one. Um, yeah, very cool. Very cool. All right, the Dungeon Master screen. This is something I will never use, but the art on here is pretty good. There is an orc ambush coming upon this um, this mage and this uh, elven bard who is walking down the road playing a song, which is very odd. Ooh, I like the mage's familiar cat and has a rat in its mouth. Uh, these orcs are, like I said, waiting an ambush. Um, let's see, and then there are, uh, three more people behind, and, uh, oh, they're all heading towards the dragon. Very cool. Very cool little thing. All right, let's see. So, I've got combat actions, I've got, uh, magic, um, not durations, ranges, I guess, areas, um, line, cone, cube, sphere, cylinder, uh, I've got that pictured uh, things you can do on your turn, which seems weird to be on the DM side. Uh, the whole section on conditions, um, this is for me the most wasted space on a DM screen uh, because it is um, something that you get to know really fast, I think. Um, long jump, high jump, concentration, very cool stuff. And uh, that's the left side of the screen, that's a four panel. Uh, on the right side of the screen is a bunch of tables. Setting a DC, tracking DCs, those are very good. Food, drink, and lodging, I've looked those up a lot. Um, damage and level, damage by level and severity, which is for um, traps in the DMG, but um, they just kind of made a generic place for it here. Um, object armor classes, something I don't usually use or think about to look up. Object hit points, again, something I don't usually use or think to hit up. Um, skills and associated abilities. <clears throat> um, that's something, again, that I've memorized pretty fast. Travel pace, I have that in mind. Um, obscured areas. This is, this is very, very important, I think, in, um, <clears throat> in, uh, uh, in 5e with uh, dark vision. Dark vision, everybody's got dark vision. Um, but what people don't know is... Dark vision is dim light, which means it's lightly obscured, which means creatures have disadvantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on sight. So if you're walking in a corridor with dark vision, searching for traps, you are at disadvantage. 
Um, encounter distance. This is great. This is something that was on um, the first DM screen. This is something that I had to look up and find. Right? There was also a table that was uh, rolled to see what happens, I think, that was on the first DM screen, which I had to look up the find, which, you know, I didn't care too much for, so I ended up not using it. <clears throat> but the encounter distance was very good. Um, terrain, audible distance, and visibility outdoors. Um, cover, uh, pretty easy. Again, that's something I memorized pretty fast. Uh, light sources, um, how much bright light, how much dim light, and the duration. <clears throat> Again, we just usually use tor torches or hooded lanterns, so not too important there. And then the size chart, which... Uh, <clears throat> so I think a couple of these things... So DM screen, I don't use it. I I effectively have one because uh, I use a laptop, but I don't really use it as one, right? I roll in front of the, the screen, in front of the table, like in front of everybody. I roll on my mouse pad, which is, is accessible to everybody. I don't like stand up in the middle of the table and make sure everybody sees it, but my rolls are in the open. So... Um, yeah, I don't use a screen. Um, it's great for the information, but I have that information on my laptop. Um, <clears throat> although my internet has been sucking lately at the place I play, so I've been using my phone, so it's been coming up slower. So I need a faster way to look stuff up, maybe. Um, and I need to um, I need to sit down in World Anvil and create my 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 DM screen basically in World Anvil, uh, so it's a little easier and it's up always. Um, yeah, but so I think there are a couple things on here that should be on the other side. It's really nice to have this beautiful art, um, but I think a DM screen is more functional if it's got uh, two sides to it, right? Stuff for the player's information, and it'd be fine if it were duplicated, right? Um, I would say that, um, you know, you could still have art on the middle pa two panels on this on one side, and then you could move stuff like things you could do on your turn. Uh, you can move the picture sizes, uh, chart. Um, you could move a uh, light source. You could move uh, cover. Um, and definitely the conditions, right? Condense these conditions a little bit and make them take up half a panel. Um, and then you could put duplicate those on both sides with the things that I just mentioned. Maybe long jump, high jump, and concentration as well. Uh, action in combat, really important. I think you could take like the left two panels on this thing and just flip them around and have those for the players um but you know that's the way i like to play but uh, not everybody likes to play that way not everybody needs to know the rules right and then we have a a couple of character sheets that's nice they're on really high quality paper <clears throat> double-sided i mean you can see through so it's probably like 24 weight paper um Maybe a little thicker. I'm trying to trying to feel it out here. Um, there are four, five, six character sheets. That's quite a few. That's nice. I like that. One more than the number of backgrounds. And then there is a little flyer in the back. A welcome adventurer. Um, boop, boop, boo. This is where the coupons should be. Um, let's see here. Unlock the digital version of Icebuyer Peak on D&D Beyond. Perfect. Um, unlock the digital version of the player's handbook at 50% off. 50% um, off digital version of the player's handbook coupon. I, I don't know why there's a coupon and a uh, code. Um, there is also access additional, additional adventure contact to continue the Dragon of Ice Spire Pete. 
iSpire Peak. Scan the QR code and visit our partner D&D Beyond. Um, that, that's kind of weird. I think they're just promoting D&D Beyond. Um, but I, uh, so basically the reason I bought this is it is, uh, $5 more than it is on D&D Beyond. And I wanted to support, um, the idea of buying something physically and, um, getting a code for the digital. This is something they're exper experimenting with. Um, the best way to show support for something is to show it with your wallet. Um, and I am showing it with my wallet. Although I am not necessarily interested in getting a physical and a digital copy of things. Um, this is something I've been struggling with. Um, the last Kickstarter that uh, I backed and was fulfilled uh, for um, Midgard. It was um, Tales of the Old Margrave. Uh, still kind of working my way through that. Um, I regret getting the player's book. Um, I had to jostle around my pledge and um, do kind of a non-optimized payment um, with a bunch of add-ons to get what I wanted. Um, and I got the player's book in hard copy <clears throat> just so I could pass it around the table. Um, I didn't really... I don't know if they mentioned the page count or if I looked at the page count. I definitely had a... Um, a pre-release copy, a, um, a, a beta, if you will. Um, and I knew how big it was, and it's tiny, and I regret having it. I don't think I'll need it. I don't think I'll use it. Um, I may toss it out on the table, you know, but mostly I'm going to be picking spells out of there to give to my players. Um, maybe if I started over in Midgard and someone was like, hey, I'd like to be from the forest, then maybe I would hand them this book. Um, but again, it's so small. And the, the, the use case for it is so small that I regret getting it in paper. So, um, when the, the next one came around, um, I opted for all digital. Uh, I do not need the paper. Um, I do not want the paper. Um, but if it were something other than just kind of a, an additional source book, right? something that I'm not going to read personally and I think uh, the player should see or um, that I feel I would I would get use of at the table. Ultraviolet Grasslands I backed. I backed the physical copy. Um, I'm running Silent Titans right now. I wish I had the book. It would feel way better because um, when I'm at the table, I don't really use anything. Um, my computer was set up and I put a couple pictures up there. But for the most part, I did not use anything at the table when I ran Silent Titans except for the PDF. So having the book there would have been kind of cool because I could have set my computer off to the side and just had the book open on the table. Um, at any rate, uh, I really like the way this box set looks. Um, there are some nice physical things that come with it. Um, if you are on the fence about picking it up, um, I'm sure this will help you decide. Um, I say pick it up and uh, use that free code on D&D Beyond so they know that people want this stuff. And um, yeah, I think, uh, I think I recommend it. Um, if the adventure sucks, then maybe not, but uh, I don't think the adventure will suck. Oh, and um, dice that come with this. There are two 20-siders and four 6-siders, so 11 dice in total. And that is something that they started doing recently. I think the original starter set only came with 7 dice. One six-sider and one twenty-sider. Uh, they started putting four dice in, so you could roll uh, forty-six, drop the lowest. Um, 
who was talking about that? Was that Glenn on uh, Radio Grognard talking about rolling abilities 46? Um, anyways, that's why they put those in there and uh, two 20-siders for advantage. Everything else, I guess, like a fireball, you can just uh, re-roll twice. Um, all right, yeah. So uh, pretty much recommended. Um, I'm going to read the adventure, and uh, I'll probably let you know uh, a little more about that afterwards. That's all the nuggets we've got this week. Show notes available at slackernerds.com. Want to reach out? Send a voice message using the new link in my show notes, the Anchor FM app or website. Email me at my new email address, cockatricenuggets at gmail.com, and check out my blog at Slacker Nerds with links to my Patreon and all my other socials. Come join us on the Audio Dungeon Discord server linked in my show notes. This podcast is ranked via iTunes, so leave me a review and some stars there. Share it with your friends or shout it from the rooftops. However you want to get the word out is great with me. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.